tear, sigh, sniffle. It's just tragic. Very sad. Welcome, everyone, to the CapsCorner.com podcast. CapsCorner.com, your source for team sports. I am Brad Franklin, publisher of CapsCorner.com, coming to you live from the place where Franklin State's in the west end of Richmond, where it is Wednesday, August the 18th. Cavaliers have a bunch of practices under their belt. The uh, season over season opener, rather, um, against uh, the fighting um, Mike London's is only, um, what, one, two and a half weeks away, which is just bananas. It feels like forever since we had football, but technically I guess we it's not because we had obviously UVA and, and a bunch of teams in the fall, and then we had a bunch of teams playing in the spring. But it feels like forever, and certainly having fans back at Scott Stadium will, will be quite the delight um, for not, not just the fans, but those of us who it was kind of weird. Anyway, tonight we are going to talk about uh, kind of where things are in camp right now, going into the third um, open quote-unquote practice. Uh, you know, media members only get to see a little bit, so we're not... Um, we don't have as many details maybe as we had have you know we would have in years past, but nonetheless we we will talk a little bit about where things kind of stand, and then it's it's time to gear up for the for the season. Um, this is our normal sort of thing. We talk about the league first, we talk about the schedule next, and then we talk our prop bets before uh, the actual opener. So tonight we're going to look at the coastal division. Um, we're going we're we're kind of going to frame uh, that part, you know, that part of the schedule, or at least looking at the, the league and the, and the, and the division, especially by the over under win totals. And we'll kind of talk about each team and sort of where things stand for them. Before we get started, let's go around and introduce everybody. First up in Loudon, staff writer, Justin Ferber is on the program. What's going on, my dude. It's weird being first. I don't like that. Um, <laughs> I was like, Oh God, I got to get to the mute button. Um, <laughs> at Justin underscore Ferber on Twitter. And in the great city of Charlottesville, um, managing editor Damon Dillman is also on the program. How's it going, my friend? Uh, hanging in there. The huge. <laughs> the huge. You know, strikes and gutters, ups and downs. <laughs> strikes and gutters. I love it. I love it. I think this is the first time we've ever had a show where I had multiple people who had actual titles with the with the website. That's great. That's awesome. Damon, you got to give the people your Twitter handle. I can't. I can't start the show. This is, you know, this is an impasse. I can't do it. Eight at Damon Dillman. There you go. Cavs Corner also wanted to Cavs underscore Corner. Great place for in-game updates, the content items, and the occasional witty banter. All right. So, Damon, you've been to a couple practices now. Um, quote unquote, been to. You've you've been there, seen some stuff. They kicked you out. You came back and talked to Bronco players. Um, is there anything at this point, looking back on what you've seen heard inf- inferred any of the other herbs um <laughs> anything at this point that that surprises you anything that um is knocking you off what you thought the beaten path would look like anything that kind of stands out to you to this point it can be more than one thing i'm just curious sort of what um what feels maybe unexpected uh in any way justin dunkel is a machine in the kicking game that's that that's my big takeaway from these practices, just because that's pretty much all we've gotten to see. But no, all uh all joking aside, I don't know if there's anything that really has surprised me so much, just because I we've talked a lot on here the last couple of weeks about how I was away for a season. So as a result, I didn't really go into this with quite as many preconceived notions of what to expect or what to look for. I've gone into it with kind of an open mind. And and with that being the case, I think uh it's just it just seems like it's business as usual for this program. I think, I think the competitions are still continuing at the positions where everybody kind of anticipated there would be competitions, those cornerback spots with the grad transfers, challenging the guys who'd been in this program for a while. I think that's, it'll be interesting to see how that kind of shakes out and whether they all wind up on the field together with like an eight defensive back formation that they start running perhaps, but no. and, and, And then the running back position, I think, Again, it just seems like 
Wayne Talapapa is the guy to beat. And uh, I, I don't know if maybe that surprises me a little bit. Maybe that shouldn't surprise me just because of the way the coaches value the work that guys put in and how you go about your business. And the fact that Talapapa has long been one of the guys who did that in this program. And, and the, he, he has, you know, done the things that the coaches expect him to. So I don't know if there's necessarily any surprises. I think maybe the surprises will come if a name we don't expect wins one of those competitions, wins one of those jobs. But at this point, it's just kind of the beat goes on and, and, and they try to identify what this team's going to look like, try to figure out those, you know, those spots that aren't determined yet as we get closer to William and Mary. Ferber, we have finally, it, it took a little while. We finally have started to do the whole like Zapruder film of, of uh, pictures and video. Like who, wait, who's that guy? Why don't they have numbers? Yeah. Um, they make it so easy for us. <laughs> with no numbers. For me, the surprise has been how much Lavelle Davis is out there. Now, I don't, when I say out there, I don't necessarily mean on the field. What I mean is like in the images and stuff that they put out, like he's very, you know what I'm saying? Like I thought they'd play it a little more coy. Um, and I'm really curious, Damon, when you get to practice on Friday, how, if Bronco has any questions, gets any questions about Lavelle. I don't know if he's gotten some, you know, to this point that maybe I haven't seen yet. Um, no, nobody brought one, it up but. last Friday, but I'm sure it'll come up this week because I think I mentioned this on the board last Friday after practice, but the only time I saw Davis was as we were waiting. It was basically around the same time that they came to get us to take us out to the practice field, right. waiting there by the door to the locker room. Davis was headed the other way into the locker room. So, and they also, the thing, the things they were doing as an offense, some of the pre-practice stuff, the install or walkthrough stuff, they were doing it at the far end of the field. So it wasn't as easy to get a vantage point on what was going on. I don't know. I don't know if they saw That's you with fault. your big Luke Wentz scoop and we're like, not this week, but uh, That's our fault. Yeah. Totally so that. yeah, it was, it was, I did not see Davis doing a whole lot of anything, but there, so I definitely do think, someone if no one else does i can do it obviously will because this is the last chance we'll get to talk to bronco before heading into william and mary week so it uh it seems like something that we should probably check up on and yeah. <laughs> see if there's any sort of update on absolutely that's how you know that's how you know you've moved the needle when they move the dudes to the other side of the field because they don't want you to see them um ferber in terms of what what you've seen what you've picked up on Anything standing out to you? Anything surprising you at this point? Or is the lack of maybe that's also maybe that's a good answer? Is the lack of surprise a surprise? Um, I wouldn't say there's anything that's like really shocking me at this point. The one thing that kind of does stand out from the video and stuff, and like this is definitely something worth noting um, that we don't know. Like, you know, when this was taken, like was this the second team offense versus yeah, the first team defense? Was this yeah. first on first? You know, like if you see a guy out there, does that mean he's playing or is that just like scout team work? Um, but, you know, like one of the things that I did notice is with the skill guys on offense, it seems like there's a lot of rotation yeah. in what we're seeing. Yeah. Like we're seeing the regular guys that you would expect. Um, Johnny Woods, Dontavian Wicks, um, so on and so forth. Wayne Talapapa, obviously Armstrong. But we've also seen a lot of the other younger quarterbacks in the videos and we've seen um, a lot of the running, like a bunch of different running backs um, and a bunch of receivers. Like, I mean, I know they just posted a video yesterday that was focused on the receivers, but in that video, I feel like every single one of them was like in a highlight. Um, uh, you know, and obviously, like I said, it's, it's hard to kind of put the context together and be like, oh, this means that all these guys are going to play. Um, but, you know, you kind of put together what Bronco said last week um, with what we've seen. And it seems like the two Charlottesville freshmen are – Fields and Sanker are probably headed towards playing time. Um, and they certainly have, have shown up in the videos as well. So I think that's something yeah. to kind of keep an eye on. Fields getting as much burn as it seems like he's getting um, was going to be my pick in this um, in this question. Simply because, not look, not that I'm in any way, shape, or form doubting Malachi. I mean, look, anybody who's, who's paid attention to this podcast who understands our connection to that kid and the fact that, you know, I mean, I remember when that dude, he was tiny and coming to the tailgate and stuff, right? Like, he was, and now he's like a, you know, he's like the second biggest receiver they've got, which is kind of crazy when you think about it, you know? But, um, well, I guess not technically because Beal is still there. Um, but anyway, he's he's obviously 
you know, doing a pretty good job so far. Um, but that's not something I expected at this point. You know, no, especially they, switching from quarterback in high right, school. Yeah. Now I, I mean, know that they were, those guys take a little bit longer to develop unless having, they're just world-class athletes. Having watched him at Monticello since he was a sophomore, when he took over as the quarterback, it did, uh, I mean, he always felt like an athlete playing quarterback at Monticello and, and he was not destined to be a quarterback at the next level. And when you'd see him rip off some long runs or you'd see him rip off some long kickoff returns, I mean, it, uh, it doesn't, I'm not as surprised by his emergence early just because of some of the things I saw him do when he was at Monticello, I, you, you could tell that there was some potential there. And I mean, maybe I'm surprised that he's, He's tapping into that potential this quickly, but another part of me is not. Uh, it, it doesn't surprise me. And same with Sanker as well, because because Joey Blunt mentioned Sanker, and um, and so did Shane Hunter the other day as well. When we talked to those two guys, uh, talking about the safety group, they both brought no brought up Sanker and the way he has kind of emerged and made plays. And and I mean, it was hard to tell with Sanker because they played in that. Uh, Seven on seven. Seven on seven. Yeah, it was Covenant played seven on seven these last few these these last few years, Um, and so it was kind of hard to tell. I remember Matt Johns and Mike London were at a game one time uh, when both Sanker brothers were still there. The older brother uh, Nick plays at Princeton, and uh, and I asked Matt Johns, I was like, "What can what what can you take from this?" And he's like, "Not a whole lot, Uh, just because it's seven on seven and." Those two in particular, the Sanker brothers, were just so much better than the guys that, no disrespect, but there weren't a whole lot of other D1 caliber football players on a lot of those other teams. So it, 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 it's it's just interesting to me how quickly Jonas may be a bigger surprise just because he's coming from that seven-on-seven seven world. But if you saw him play basketball at Covenant, you knew he was, you knew what kind of athlete he was. And when you saw some of the plays he made, at quarterback or on defense for that seven on seven on team, you could see it. It's just, maybe that's a little surprising how that has translated so quickly at UVA. That's why you bring Damon onto the podcast. That's, that's true. I mean, that's Charles Hill prep. That was say, that was some, that was some heat right there. I mean, listen, <laughs> fields, I think more for me, it's not just necessarily just about him, right? It's about the depth in front of him. I mean, UVA is not hurting at this point after bringing in, you know, Artie Henry returning a bunch of, you know, guys as well as, you know, super senior, um, you know, here or there. Like, they're not, like, hurting for depth of receiver. Now, certainly not having Lavelle Davis does slow you down, and that's a significant piece off the off the board. But I, I, just, felt, I just felt like that from a depth standpoint, they were going to be in a spot where, hey, um, it, it's likely that these other guys are going to get more time. Now, one thing with the early season stuff you always have to take as a caveat is you're never sure, like, one, how much of this is coaches trying to see what guys have and if they can do the job that they need to do for the season, right? So sometimes earlier in camp, because especially when you have such a ta- such a um, not just talent in different positions, but also experience, right? Like if we saw, um, you know, younger guys at let's say offensive line, right? You know who the most of the the, the important pieces are in that front. So if you saw some younger guys, that might not necessarily mean that those guys are not getting time or that they've been beat out. It might just mean like, hey, we'd like to see you know, what Noah Josie can do. We might like to see what Logan Taylor can do. Um, that might be a thing you do in the first week or so of practice, right? You're not going to do I that. I think that might games, be why some of the quarterbacks are playing more too. It makes a lot of sense let's, because let's see who the backup's going to be. Exactly. You're trying to get a feel for the backup and you're probably, you know, you're not you're not opposed to having Brennan he he gets reps, but maybe not necessarily. You don't necessarily need him to take every one considering that like you can't really you, you know, you can't afford to get him hurt. Now that being said, at receiver, it would make sense to me, you know, if um, you're getting Wicks a lot of burn, which given the videos and stuff that they've put out, there's obviously Wicks is getting a lot of touches. Um, Thompson is is clearly um, getting used to a bigger role. I mean, his his portfolio has obviously expanded, so it makes sense that he's getting a lot of burn. But some of the younger guys, you might want to get a look at them to see, like, okay, are they going to be special teams guys for us, or can they actually help us from scrimmage this year? And certainly it looks like so far they've done a pretty good job of that. 
Um, in terms of the other thing that we have tracked for months, anybody who's listening to this podcast knows we are we are very much the you know UVA is going to a three three five conspiracy theorist here at the at the show, and then Damon up and writes a story about it, which I thought was amazing um, in and of itself because like this this train has been running you know on schedule and it just doesn't you know I look around at various points in the market you know folks who cover this the program and I'm like yo what are y'all not on it like <laughs> what are you missing right. Um, it's very apparent to most of us, right? That, that that's the shift that's happening. If that's the case, what are we feeling about UVA's linebacking core? If it's a three man group, right? Primarily. And that's not to say that there won't be, you know, different, I mean, Bronco can sometimes get a little exotic at times, but if it's three dudes, Damon, it's Taylor, it's Jackson, who's the third, right? And I think that's a question mark for me, probably even more important than maybe, um, you know, is it really Tyler Poplar running back or is it just going to be committee? Who's the third, in your opinion, at least as of today, if you had to bet on it, who would you pick? Uh, I would guess, based on all indications uh, right now, I think it was Bronco who said this last week, it's Elliot Brown and Hunter Stewart kind of competing for that spot. And if I were to guess, I would think they'd go with with Brown, at least at the outset, and uh, and then maybe take it week by week or even series by series from there. That's just a guess on my part, but maybe they lean toward that experience and a guy who came back to be a part of this program one more year and and uh, give him that opportunity. Now, I know it's earned not given and he's got to put in the work, but if he's in the mix, I feel like he's probably the guy that they would give the first opportunity to because if it, someone else, I feel like if someone else had truly emerged and taken charge of that position, they would have told us about it by now or we would have heard about it by now or seen it by now. So I I would if I were to guess I would go with Elliot Brown just because of his history with the program and he looked like he was on the verge a few times throughout his career of taking that next step. He just seems like a guy who hasn't been able to take that next step and become that consistent contributor. Was it the wasn't it the pit game, the Friday night game a couple of years ago where he made a couple of nice plays but then had the bad penalty yeah. on third down? Yeah. That that uh that kept the defense on the field and then Pitt wound up scoring and I think that was the go ahead touchdown that game yeah, if I, I remember correctly. Right. Yeah, it was like, Yeah, that it was, was like a, it was like third and 10 yeah. bad breaking uh roughing the passer. Roughing the passer, right? Roughing but he had passer. made a few plays that like I remember that night he seemed to really be emerging. Yeah. And then, and then that bad penalty at, the, at was, such was, an it inopportune. It wasn't roughing the passer, was it? I think it was a horse collar, right? Was right. it? Yeah, you're it right. It was a horse collar. On it the was the quarterback, though. I believe it was the quarterback. And right. It was a really, it was a really fifty-fifty yeah, call. Yeah, it was a sketchy yeah. call. I didn't think he got him by the by the actual horse collar. I thought he had him um, higher, but yeah, I mean, like he is a guy who certainly seems like he should really benefit from you know from one the the amount of experience that he's gotten over the years to the depth situation that they're currently facing and maybe even three you know he 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 was probably better suited um at this point to do what they're asking him to do maybe than what he was earlier in his career um you know when I, when I think I don't know he's a very athletic kid but I don't get the sense that he was really um, somebody who felt real comfortable in, in coverage you know being able to having to drop back and stuff he's not I don't think that came as naturally to him. Um, I'm really curious to see what he brings to the table. I, I just think that that group as a whole, um, that's one where you could, I wouldn't be surprised to see like James Jackson get some burn, um, you know, considering the way that they talked about him in the spring. Um, now we should also, I, I just realized this, we should also caveat all of these conversations with, if there is an injury, well, all bets are off, right? Like at this point, Bronco is the only person who talks injuries. Um, and they, how do I put this accurately? They actively do their best to make sure that stuff never slips out. Um, and so in, in the event that it, it does, um, it is very, it's very rare. So if there are injuries, um, you know, Bronco will, will drop it on your head like a brick. Um, that's typically the way this thing works. Um, you, you sometimes can have a sense of like, oh, this guy must be hurt because I'm seeing video of, of or pictures or whatever of this other guy. You know what I mean? Um, but even then, it, it's it's really hard. And at, to Ferber's point earlier, a lot of what gets put out from from practice, again, because they don't let us see, you know, they don't let folks come in and see whole practices. A lot of what gets, you never know, you know. Well, all right, they have pads in this shot, and they have they don't have pads. Was that from earlier when they didn't have pads, or is that you know a walkthrough? Um, so, last thing on on camp before we move forward, 
number selection, I believe, comes Saturday. Is that am, am I right on that time frame, Damon? That's right. Broncos said weekend? Sunday. He said he, okay, prob- so this he thought it would probably be Sunday. But yeah, he expects it to be this weekend. All right. If you had to pick a guy who gets the first pick, so who is you know? There's no the, the let's call this the uh, the, inaug- the the inaugural Jordan Ellis Award, right? As the dude who gets to pick first in the in the numbers draft. Uh, who would you go with, Ferber? Let's start with you. If you had to pick a dude who was going to be the number who gets to have the number one pick, who is it? Um, and then explain your answer for the, for the, for the group. This is tough. Um, this is why they pay me the big bucks. Yeah. I'm going to go, I'm going to go with Brendan Armstrong. Yeah. That's a good, which, but you, I mean, which you would think is a safe pick, but actually like every year so far, it's been a random, like they're a backup running back or, you know, walk on, uh, who was it last year? Bernie. Um, I think so. That sounds right. Yeah, I'm gonna go with Armstrong. I mean, I think I think he's been praised a lot for his growth. He's gonna be a captain, I'm sure. You know, another year as a starter, sort of a, a you know big cog in in the machine now. Like I I just have a feeling he's gonna be one of the first guys to go. Um, and he, I think he's as good as a guess as any that I have at this at this time. So Dave is not on the podcast, so I get to say I think it's going to be Jelani Woods. I, I I think that dude he, he he immediately garnered so much respect from his his you know new teammates, and I don't think you go out there with that zero in your you know because you get to choose your number or whatever and promote you don't you don't go out there with that zero unless you think you can get it. Um, and I think I I think he even though he's new, I think he understands. I I think it's going to be him. All right, Damon, who's your pick? Tell us. I'm going to go with Noah Taylor. I just, the the way, the way people have talked to him about him, about the way he has emerged as more of a leader is more of a vocal leader. Some of the stuff I wrote about the other day, but just, yeah, just, he just seems like a different guy this year. Some of the stuff Joey Blunt said, um, Joey Blunt said yesterday on zoom about Noah Taylor, about how he's always been obsessed, but there's, there's even more passion behind his obsession for playing the game of football this year and j- even just talking to Noah Taylor after that first practice he just seemed like a different guy like he's always been confident uh I've never questioned that it's just there's just a different like I don't know there's just a difference in a good way I can't quite put my finger on it but yeah so I'm gonna go with Noah Taylor that's just my hunch all right let's get into some uh um some over-unders um now Virginia obviously plays you know spoiler alert in the coastal division <laughs> So the Cavaliers, obviously, you know, it's Duke, it's Georgia Tech, Miami, Carolina, Pitt, Tech. Um, they also play um, Notre Dame in their non-ACC opponent, um, in their in their quote-unquote non-conference uh, schedule, though, I mean, I don't know how you, I mean, technically maybe they are, but, you know, it's weird. Anyway, beyond that, they also get Louisville and they get Wake Forest this year. So I, I'm going to, we're going to run through the Coastal and then we'll just touch on the Atlantic briefly at the end. But let, we're going to go team by team. We're going to talk about what the over-under was. At least, I think this was, the list I got was like DraftKings or something. If you want to get, you know, salty because I picked the wrong whatever, I'm sorry. Email Damon. Um, <laughs> um, all right, let's start with those. Yeah, right. <laughs> uh, let's, start with, uh, let's start with Duke. Um, the, the fight and cut cliffs are, are three and a half is their over-under for win totals this year. Um. They start the season, Duke does, against UNC Charlotte. Uh, from there, um, this is one of those times where I'm like looking at logos, and I'm like, who the heck is that? Um, from, from there, I think that's North Carolina A&T. Then they get Northwestern, Kansas, Carolina, Georgia Tech, and Virginia before their open week. Um, they finish with, uh, with Wake, Pitt, Tech, Louisville, and Miami. Three and a half? I mean, the first two, okay. Third, maybe Kansas. Where are you getting that fourth one at, buddy? Um Maybe Pittsburgh, um, considering that's a home game uh, in November. Uh, I'm, 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 I think I might go under, which is savage. But you know, I'm not really sure that Cutcliffe is long for Durham. There's my hot take of the day. Damon, three and a half wins for Duke, over or Oof. under? You know, it's like when you're playing card sharks. Remember that game? Like if you get a two <laughs> or three, you almost have to go over. Yeah, just just to play the odds. Uh... Man, I think I'm gonna have to go. Yeah, I think just just playing the odds. I think I almost have to go over just because that, that's. But at the same time, I think I don't know. They they're breaking in a new quarterback. They 
compared to other teams around the league, they don't have as many other guys back either. Uh, so maybe I'm talking myself into the under right now. Uh, so, um, yeah, you know what? I did. I just talked myself into the under. I'm going to go. For, <laughs> you know I'm what? I did. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm going to go for the, uh, the under on Duke as well. Okay. Ferber, I, I mean, look, the Duke has, has had better teams in in recent years, but the last few, it just feels like they've really underachieved. Then they gave, I mean, I don't know who that backup quarterback they had um, was. I forget his name. Um, but man, Chris Katrinick or whatever? No, no, no. The kid that came from Clemson. Remember oh, him? Chase Bryce. Oh, man. Whew. That did not work out. That was a bucket. He's at, he's at App State now. I hope he, hope he does well. Uh, three and a, three and a half for for the Blue Devils. What do you think? All right, so I think Duke is going to be the worst team in the Coastal. I don't know if it'll even be that close, but I am going to go over, um, because I'm just looking at their schedule, and I think they have three automatic wins. I mean, maybe automatic is too strong, but they play Charlotte, North Carolina A and T, and Kansas at home, and Kansas is going to be terrible. Um. So I think they win all three of those games and they just got to get one ACC game. So yeah. I would bet the over, but I also think they're going to suck. So I think they're looking at like a three and nine, four and eight, maybe five and seven. If they have like a, you know, if everything comes together and they, you know, pick off a couple wins in the ACC. All right. Now be, to be clear, the Charlotte game is at Charlotte. So not that, not that it necessarily changes. Yeah. The trajectory, Duke is a touchdown just, favorite. Yeah, um, I'm sure. No, no, I know. But you, yeah. I, but th- you know, just to make sure we don't get the email. They, I mean, um, I'm, I'm not saying it's like impossible. They could lose to Kansas, but Kansas should be like outright awful. They, I mean, they, no, they, I agree. they got a new coach in like June, <laughs> which is typically not what you want. That's uh, not a, not a good look for you guy. All right. Now, if, if Duke is going to get an ACC win and, for all of us here at the Cavs Corner Podcast, we all hope that it's not um, Virginia on October sixteenth because that's not gonna it's not gonna do well on the website. But if it's gonna happen, Georgia Tech would seem to be the most likely candidate, right? Um, now, unfortunately for Duke, they they get those three games. Excuse me, they get three of those games that Ferber talked about in the first four. That they get Northwestern in there as well. If they beat then Georgia they, Tech, they could be four and one. I know, isn't that wild? Um, yeah. They get Carolina. In Chapel Hill on two, October sorry. the second. All right, yeah, yeah. So, so they get Georgia Tech. Georgia Tech's uh, win total over under a five. Listen, I have heard and seen a whole lot about how Georgia Tech's going to do this and Georgia Tech's going to do that. And brother, I mean, it might happen, but I'm gonna have to see it. I mean, I, I don't know what it is. I mean, maybe it works, um, but everything about that just has bust written all over it to me. To me. Um, I'm sure there are plenty of people who from the outside were like Bronco Mendenhall. There's no way he's going to work in, at UVA. Damon, five wins for Georgia Tech. Um, is this year? This is what year three for Jeff Collins? Um, uh, yes. At, at on on the on the flats. Um, kind of weird you, too because they didn't play last year. Yeah, nobody yeah, played true. them. Yeah. Um, or UVA didn't play them as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I got you. What's uh, what's your feeling on five for them? Uh gosh. I mean, they beat Duke. I think that's probably a win, but that's at Duke, right? They're at Duke, so I don't know. Yes. Yeah, they're at Duke. I, I'm yeah, actually, I should I should mention this before you get going. Let me mention what Georgia Tech's schedule is. So they open with not Northern good. Illinois. Um, is, I don't know who that is. Who is that? Tennessee, Kennesaw State. Thank you. I'm looking at it. They got to go to they got to go to Clemson. Then they get Carolina at home. Then they go they get Pitt at home before they go to Durham in their open week. Then they get they go to Charlottesville. They they get Tech at home. Man, that's a that's a rough low end of it. Check this out: they get UVA on the it's road, bad. Tech at home, <laughs> Miami at on the road, Boston College at home, at Notre Dame, and Georgia at home. Congratulations, yeah, I'm gonna go Jeff! Under. <laughs> I'm going to go the under. Uh, what is it? Five and a half? Is that what you said? Uh, it's five. Five just straight five? up. Okay. Yep. Well, yeah, I'm still going <laughs> to. Yeah, I, uh, I, yeah, I'm kind of. I'm kind of, I kind of share your opinion where that program's at a point now where it's year three for Collins and it's time to, you know, see what he's been able to put together, but until they're able to show something, I just, I I don't know. I know, I know they like Sims, the quarterback, um, but what, how much does he have around him? And that was obviously going to be a big rebuilding job uh, for Collins, but like we said, it's year three now. So I don't know. I'm still going to go the under and I think, 
he his seat may be getting a little warmer as well. I, I, I don't know if I agree. With, I think if Cutcliffe, when you said Cutcliffe may not be long for Duke, I would think he's at a point where that would have to be his decision. Whereas I don't Collins maybe needs to show a few things this year, or he could be uh, things could be percolating a little bit under his seat. Yeah. I think Jeff is probably a little bit more. Uh, I think he's probably got one more year. The thing with Cutcliffe is, is like, don't they have a new AD? Right? Don't they have a new AD? Yeah, but she's an internal hire. Yeah, yeah, I know. But I'm just saying, like, sometimes new ADs have a way of, especially for football, because you might think you need I think they could be like, hey, why don't you take a retirement? Yes. Yes. Be one of those. I don't think they're going to, like, run him out of town on a a rail. But if they go, like, like, 1 in 11 or something? Yeah, exactly. Like, (laughs) Like, if it's 1, if if they're, like, 1 in 5, you know, like, if they get, if Duke gets to, to, if UVA goes in there uh, on the 16th, and 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 they're they're you know they've got two three wins um and it's it's, it's getting worse and then by the time they go to Blacksburg it's it's hadn't gotten any better I mean last few weeks of the season I mean come on you know like that thing is is set um for me for Georgia Tech I, I mean like I said I I'm not sure I see it um now the one caveat here is that the Sims kid is not bad he's he's actually pretty talented um is it all going to come together um and then they got that running back who had never heard of who got a you know, player of the year vote. Um, I'm I'm going to go under sur- simply because, like, I look at the back part of that schedule, and I I understand that maybe the first two weeks they're going to get wins, then they got Clemson, then they get Carolina. So essentially, you're telling me they're going to have to find th- th- three wins from Pittsburgh, Duke, Virginia, and Virginia Tech, because I expect Boston College to be pretty pretty decent. Uh, I just I just don't see it happen. So give me the under. Ferber, what do you feel about Georgia Tech? Yeah, I think I have to go under. I mean, you kind of said it already, but I mean, like I'm looking at the back half of that schedule um, at UVA, Tech at home, at Miami, Boston College, at Notre Dame, Georgia. I don't think they're going to win any of those games. No, I don't either. Like I look at the back part of that, and I'm like, where you, you basically what you're saying here? If you take the if you take the 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 uh, the, the five right, is you're saying they're going to win Pitt. Duke and Virginia all in a row. And, yeah, you need them to, they need to like, and also they probably need one of these teams in the back half to be worse than expected, like Virginia Tech, for example, or something. Um, and then it's like, oh, maybe the schedule isn't as hard as we thought in the preseason. But yeah, that back half is rough. And that's not even counting games against North Carolina and Clemson. Um, yeah. So like, I, I think, I, I think that I'll say it like this. I think the hype around Georgia Tech is more about their improvement more than their wins. Like, I think that people are kind of buying into, like, they're going to make a step forward, but I still think they're, like, four and eight, Um, just because this is a rough schedule. Um, But, yeah, I mean, I don't know. I I wonder, too, if, like, maybe the COVID year gives him, like, a little bit of a stay of execution this year where it's like, hey, like, this is actually kind of year 2.5. And, you know, like, last year was weird. So we'll see. Um, I, I, I don't expect them to be like in the running, but I, I will say that they might be able, they might be like a team with a bad record that like picks somebody off randomly unexpectedly. Um, or, you know, like gives, gives teams, you know, a hard time. Yeah. I mean that Virginia tech game at home on, on uh, the day before Halloween, just saying wouldn't, wouldn't shock me, but no, I, I, I don't see it happening. All right. Now from, from Georgia tech, let's move on to Miami, the perennial, uh, well, this is the year that they turned it around team in the coastal, right? Like this is, this is old hat. doesn't matter who the coach is. doesn't matter who the quarterback is. doesn't matter who the players really are. Everybody and their brother wants to convince themselves that this is the year that the hurricanes come roaring back. Um, they have a win total, at least again, whatever at nine and a half. Now this is their schedule. Miami's going to open the season against Alabama. Then they get absolutely open the season with a loss. <laughs> yeah. Right. Um, they're going to, they're, they're going to, uh, I'm pretty sure that's app state. Then they get Michigan state. Is that who is that Duquesne? I will give you, if I give you 10 guesses, you won't get this team. Is that central Connecticut state? Central Connecticut state. I, I was like, I thought they were two All right. They get Virginia on the 30th. Um, they, oh, then they're open. Then they got to go to Carolina. They get state at home. They go to Pittsburgh. They get Georgia tech at home. They go to Florida State, and then they close with Tech at home and then at Duke. Now, this is like the opposite of Georgia Tech, right, where the, the end of the schedule for yeah, Georgia Tech is terrorist. It's just terror. They could. They really could. They could rack up, you know, the, heck, they could win the last five games. Easy. Last six, if you look at NC State. The real question, I guess, is are they going to be able to, to beat Carolina and 
Just, do you see what I'm saying? Like you can't, you because you're going to get Alabama. I mean that Michigan State game should be interesting um, on the 18th. Um, nine and a half, Ferber. What do you think? Do the are, are the Herc is is the U back? That's the question, dude. Is the U back? If it was eight and a half, I would take over without a doubt. I think, I think they're I a nine too. plus. I think they're a nine plus win team. Yeah, but I don't know if they're a ten win team. Like. Just because if you look at the schedule, I mean, they're going to lose to Alabama. So you can take one win off the board. Um, and then, like, their next two games, they should win them. You know, they play App State and in in Michigan State, but I wouldn't want to play those teams, like, in the non-conference. Those are, you know, those are going to be, like, slugfest-type games. I think the game that you have to circle for them is the at North Carolina on uh, October 16th, just because that one could decide the Coastal. Those are the two – preseason favorites for the division um i actually kind of think that they're going to take care of business in most of their games i'm going to go under i think they end up nine and three because i think you know that carolina game is on the road you're going to lose to alabama and so you only can you can't lose again if you're going to go over so i'm going to go under but i, I don't that's not an in, indictment of miami or anything i think nine and three would be a pretty good season with the schedule and it certainly wouldn't mean that they're like out of the coastal race yeah, uh, Damon, what do you think? Nine, nine and a half. I agree with Ferber. I, I think if it was if it was eight and a half, I'd, I'd be I'd be all good with it. But nine, that's steep. I, I don't think I can go. I don't think that's that's a little too rich for my blood. What do you yeah, think? I, I agree with that logic, especially especially with that Alabama game right out of the shoot on the schedule. As you know, we all kind of assume you're just starting out with another loss with a loss in the column. So I don't know. I the, the I I. I don't know, because I went into this thinking, I don't know, I think Miami's going to be really good this year, but then Miami always just seems to lose a game or two that they probably shouldn't. And, yep. <laughs> you know, we all know how how goofy the Coastal can get. <laughs> you got to factor and that into Miami's the line. Miami's <laughs> usually one of the culprits in that. And so with that Alabama game, I don't know. I, I, I mean, I'm not sure what to make. I'm not sure what to make of the Florida State game. That's in Tallahassee, I believe, right? That's in Tallahassee. Uh, yeah, late in the that's, season. I mean, I don't know yes. how good Florida State's going to be, but that's a good example of one of those games that you think they should win, but going to Tallahassee, Carolina going to Chapel Hill, that changes some things. Yeah. Uh, I feel I, I feel like that when you'd look at it a lot differently, like Ferber said, if that one was being played in Miami. So, yeah, I, I think I, I just I just don't trust them enough to go – Nine and a half is a big number. I don't trust them enough to go with that, so I'm going to have to go with yeah. the under. I, and here's oh, the other I, thing, man. You know what you don't want when you have to replace your entire defensive front? You don't want to start with Alabama. Like, <laughs> I mean, seriously. Like, that's the thing. People don't realize how much talent that Miami team lost last year. I understand De'Aaron King is back. I understand that they've got talent. I'm not trying to dispute the fact that they do have talent. But there's a lot of experience and, and talent that they lost off of that team. Like, that Rousseau dude was a beast. Um, the tight end. Um, whose name is suddenly escaping to me is gone. Uh, I mean, like that's a good that's a good group right, of guys yeah. that they. That's it. Thank you. Um, that's it. There's a really de- really good group of guys that they don't have. And I, I'm again, if the number was eight and a half, I'd probably be all about it. But at nine and a half, I I just can't do it. I uh, also I would I also you... like to circle the game against Pitt on ten thirty as the dumb loss. <laughs> yeah, that would make sense. No, see, I was I was looking at that Duke game to end the season. They got to go to Durham to end the season. Like that just feels like a game where all the fighting cut, cut clips, cut yeah, exactly, off on the yeah, soldiers. exactly. Cut all the fighting cut clips are excited, you know, because like, hey, we got to go out there and win one for the Gipper. You know, we want to send Coach out with a win. It's Miami. They, they don't care. <laughs> I mean, it's just it just it, that's that's the one. That's the one. It although the idea that the coastal chaos doesn't hit until uh, November twenty seventh. I mean, come on. All right, let's go to Carolina. That the team to beat in the coastal that by most estimations, including media members who who uh, voted in the preseason poll, uh, ten wins for the for the for the for the Tar Heels this year. They open with Virginia Tech. I don't know. We've we've only talked. I mean, folks around here have only talked about that. Like. Ad nauseum. I honestly, I have no idea what this logo is in the second in the second week. It looks like an alternate pit logo, and for a second, I was like, "Did they just decide to do an alternate pit logo here for some reason?" Uh, Ferber, can you tell me who that second game is for Carolina, please? Georgia State. Thank you. Yeah, there you I go. I do not know. Um, I got a friend of mine whose son knows like every college team and every college stadium. They're you know they're um a pro- they're like um 
capacity and everything. And I really could have used a phone a friend there. All right. So I really Carolina, like the ramp. I really like the ramp up, go to Blacksburg to open the season, ramp <laughs> all the way back down, and then go back up for to like three straight, four straight conference games. Yeah. So they get Virginia at home. They go to, to, to Atlanta. Then they get uh, their rivalry game against Duke um, for whatever that bell is. Um, and then they get Florida State at home and Miami at home. So those there's four uh, of their five uh, ACC games in that stretch. Are all at home, which if you and if the you road can, games at Georgia Tech, correct. And if you can do the math, they get to that open weekend on the twenty third. Then they got to close. Get ready at Notre Dame, Wake Forest at home, at Pittsburgh. Oh my God, is that who is Wofford. that? Wofford. Wofford. Wow, sneak Wofford there at the end, and then they close uh, at um, in Raleigh. Ten wins. I mean. Who are, you, who are their losses, right? Miami is the one game there, Notre Dame. So if you give them both of those, you know, I mean, I think then it comes down to, you know, somebody picking them off. Maybe it's Wofford. Maybe it's NC State. I feel like NC State could be pretty good. Am I the only person who thinks NC State could be pretty good? What's their over-under? I think people expect them to be decent. Yeah, their um, six wins is their over-under. So, I mean, it, they're sort of middle of the, middle of the ground, middle of the road. I think uh, that's David, because their schedule is just rough. Yeah, NC State has to go. Had they get uh, – I mean, they play Clemson, obviously. USF, Mississippi State. Mississippi State. Fordham, Clemson, Louisiana Tech. Then they have an open week. They go back-to-back road games against Boston College and Miami. Then they get Louisville at home. Then back-to-back road games in Tallahassee and uh, Winston-Salem. They do close with Syracuse. (laughs) They get Syracuse, which is nice. uh, Yeah, that's the team with the lowest win total in the league, which is three. And then they get uh, Carolina to finish. Um, I don't know. I, I I don't know. I look at that Carolina schedule. And I'm like, I could see ten wins there, easy. I mean, that Virginia game really could be the be the story. I mean, you might want to make an argument about Florida State, but really, it comes down to you know, if you're just talking strictly wins. Now, in term, uh, sorry, wins and losses. If you're talking about the the division, obviously the Miami game is huge. Um, that's the one. But honestly, that Tech game to start the season, like, I yeah, would I wouldn't be surprised, surprised if they lost that game at all. You know, that would be yeah. Um, so anyway, sorry, Damon. I was going to ask you, how do you feel about ten wins for the Tar Heels? Yeah, I was as you were. I was looking at their schedule as you were talking and trying to figure out where those where, where those two losses come from. More than two losses, and and I mean, I kind of agree that Virginia Tech going into Blacksburg, I could see them losing that one. I also I know they get UVA at home, but I mean, can we really rule that one out? I mean, here's not you know to quote my mentor Doug Dowdy. Here's a good note for your blog. Uh, I, <laughs> I was do, I was looking at I don't know how I got down this wormhole the other day, but. Did you know that UVA has two of the uh, two of the three longest in division winning streaks in the coastal? The uh, they've won six in a row against Duke, Duke and they've won yeah. four in a row against Carolina. Uh, they're two of the three longest winning streaks in the in the division. So I mean, I know it's at Carolina, and I know Carolina's preseason top ten team. They got everybody and Sam Howell, and, but I mean. If you're trying to find losses on that schedule, that's probably one of the at least possibilities. I don't know, because even look at I mean, we talked about Miami already and how we'd all probably look at that game a little bit differently if it was being played in Miami instead of Chapel Hill. Going to South Bend, obviously, will uh will be a test for them. So and then yeah, so I don't know. I think I may uh ah gosh. Let me crunch the numbers here. Are you wishing that I'd gone to Ferber first? No, um, I just, I, I'm just, you know, it's getting late now. I'm going to go under. Uh, I said it's I'm getting just, late now. I like it. I, I, I'm going to say they get to nine wins. I don't know if they get to 10, so I'm going to take the under there. So. All right, Ferber. I, I think, yeah. I'm, I'm at, I'm at uh, I don't know. Did I officially say if I was over or under? I really wish this was like nine and a half or ten and a half. I don't like the ten. Yeah, because I can see them getting a ten. I think ten is the number. But ten yeah. and a, yeah. All right, Ferber, what do you think? How, how, what do you, where do you fall on this ten win situation? It's exactly ten. It's exactly ten, right? Yeah. All right, and assuming we can't say push, I'm gonna you can't. Go I mean, under. look, if you look, look, we can make up these rules. I didn't as we know go along. we can say push. I'm going to say I mean, push then. David's like, yeah, I guess that. Yeah, it's not called. I guess it's it's not called over under push. (laughs) Yeah, it is. So I'm Um, gonna go under because I just feel like when I look at their schedule, I I could certainly see them going ten and two if they are obviously as hyped. Um, they could go eleven and one or something. Um, Yeah. 
I mean, really, like, not to, I don't think they will, but they could go 12 and 0, like, with the yeah. schedule. It's not like there's a Clemson on there. You um, give me, you, you, you talk to me on like September the 5th. Yeah. Right. I might feel a lot better. You can, talk I to me on September 18th after they've played <laughs> UVA and Virginia. Uh, right. UVA the morning Tech. after. <laughs> then it'll be like, all right, like, uh, are yeah, they, they're, they, if they they're could three be three and oh, they yeah. could be one and two. They could be one like, and two. That's the thing. Yeah. Um, Oh, but I, I think Gotta that there's it. enough toss-ups on here to where I'm going to go under. Um, just because I, I think they're going to be – I think – I mean, I would pick them to win the Coastal at this point just based on their schedule and what they have on their team. But, you know, D- Damon mentioned their history against UVA. I wouldn't necessarily call that like an automatic win, even though on paper it probably looks like it should be. The game in Blacksburg I think will be tricky. Um, and I wouldn't be that shocked if they lost it. They still have to go to South Bend, and they get Miami at home. I mean, like, neither of those games are, are gimmies. And then at NC State to end the season is not a gimme either. Um, and then you got, like, a weird pit game, like, on the road on a Thursday night. I don't – I'm not saying I don't think they're going to be good or anything. I just think that they could – I would probably have them at 9 and – like, a gun to my head, I would pick 9-3 and three over, like, 10-2 and two or 11-1. and one. Yeah, because think about it like this. If they go out – all right, let's say they go out and they are what? 6 and 0 and they lose to Miami. Right? And then they get an open week and they go to they go to South Bend and they lose. Right? And they bounce back against Wake Forest. I could absolutely see them, regardless of what happens those two weeks, going to Pittsburgh and just laying an absolute egg. Um and Especially picture, if they lose to Miami, because then it could be a situation exactly. where it's like, well, well we're what not we really playing, playing for? for the Coastal right. anymore. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, all right. Let's move on to speaking of Pittsburgh. Let's talk about the the, the Panthers. Uh, seven wins on the board, at least of the list I saw. And if you saw a different one, I'm sorry. I like how I'm, I could just keep mentioning that. So they get UMass. They go down to Knoxville. You know play on rocket top then i believe that's is that wyoming it looks like it's the washington football team it does kind of look no, like the it's, it's west it's western michigan western michigan okay it look i couldn't tell all right i think so they then, changed their look and then there's some sort of cat i don't know who yeah, that cat new is. hampshire thank you uh they get to go to atlanta before their open week then they go to blacksburg they get clemson and miami in a row at home before they go to durham they get carolina on that thursday night they close with virginia at home and then syracuse on the road Man, Syracuse on the road is like the way to go out, you know. Um, seven Big wins. East, baby. <laughs> seven wins. I mean, one, how good is Tennessee going to be? Because, uh, I mean, theoretically, Pittsburgh could go into their open week. Five they could be 5-0 and o going Easy. to Blacksburg. And then lose their next three in a row. Easy. Um, and then, obviously, they'll bounce back against Duke. And then the question is, can they get two or three to finish the season? Um Ferber, how you feel? Seven wins for the Panthers. Yes, no, push. Because <laughs> I feel like if seven push, is the if, number. If, if push is an option, that's the choice. Yeah. Um, just because if you look at their schedule, like you just said, like, I mean, their first four games are non-conference games. They could lose to Tennessee, I, I guess, but they're not losing any of those others. So they're three and one at a minimum going to Georgia Tech. Um, that's a toss up in my opinion. I mean, no disrespect to Pitt, but like they're not exactly like a team that I'm going to be like when they go on the road to Georgia Tech or UVA or whatever, I'm not going to be like, yeah, sign me up for them. Um, Blacksburg, you know, they haven't had a good track record in Blacksburg. They're not beating Clemson at home, I don't think. Um, then they get Miami. That's really tough. I think Pitt's going to be decent. They're going to be a tough out. I certainly think that UVA is going to have a tough game when they go up there at the end of the season. I, I think they're like a seven and five team because of their schedule. Um, I don't think like if they played a harder, if they played like Georgia Tech schedule, they'd probably go like six and six at best. Um, I'm going to go under seven, but I don't feel good about it. I could see them going like eight and four. Just because their schedule is not that hard. What do you think, Damon? Seven wins for Pittsburgh and Pat Narduzzi. Yeah, I I don't know. I I think Ferber. If if it were six and a half, I'd take the over. If it were seven and a half, I'd take the under. <laughs> uh, it's I, almost I, like they know what they're doing. Yeah, right. I it, they they I I don't know. I like Narduzzi. I think he's a good coach, and I I think they're usually a pretty good defensive team. And 
that Clemson Miami back to back, even with both of them at home, that's that's kind of a backbreaker a little bit. But I could see that I could see them going to both Georgia Tech. I don't know. Pitt's always sneaky good. Pitt's always a little bit better than I think they're going to be. I want to. I, I mean, if we're saying push, I'm saying push. But if we're going to say if, but if we have to pick one, I'm going to roll the dice and go over with Pitt because I think they're going to be, I think they're going to be decent. So I, they're just competent. Yeah. Like, you don't really like, you're not like afraid of them, but you don't really want to play them. Right. Yeah. They, it, yeah. And they just, I don't know. I just, I like Narduzzi. I think he's a good coach. And, uh, and they've got, I mean, what's his name's back at quarterback? Uh, Pickett. Pickett's, been been there forever and but i mean i know like it's you look at all these teams and you're like they got so many guys back they got their quarterback back but everybody does so how much of an advantage is that really for these teams but i don't know in this instance i'm going to use that as my rationale to take the over but not very comfortably <laughs> but not very comfortably they've set um, themselves up for success with their non-conference schedule yeah i agree yeah, that's I, for that's, sure yeah that's for sure i mean look if there are multiple logos that I don't know, that's probably a pretty good sign for your win total. I'm just saying. And Tennessee. And then there's Rocky Top. Um, a bunch of or- a bunch of teams that I'd take over on on PlayStation. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, all right. Let, we're going to skip UVA for what I hope are obvious reasons. Cavaliers a six um, win total here. Spoiler alert: When we get to the uh, prediction podcast next week, we're we're probably going to go over. That's just our typical way. Um, although we'll see what what Damon does because you know yeah I mean I feel it. like I've gone under a ton and it's yeah. like where am I going to get these overs and I was like oh Virginia I'm going to have over probably yeah so, all right so. Virginia Tech to round things out tonight um, the Hokies open up with North Carolina um, is that Middle Tennessee State yes Whew. okay I feel like this is also a game of can Brad name logos this was fun all right they go I like two. the way you're doing it where you just don't really know. No, I, all right. For the record, I'm, what I'm looking at is I'm looking at the graphic that the ACC put out that had the schedule matrix, right. which basically has the whole everybody. And it's only I only have logos. I don't have any names. And so I was like, at some point in here, I realized that that was really bad at this. And I was like, you know what? This might be entertainment. People might laugh at the fact that I'm an idiot. All right. So there's West Virginia um, on the road before they get the the fighting spiders of Richmond. Uh, they get their open weekend. Then they get Notre Dame, Pitt, and Syracuse at home, which, if you're scoring at home, no pun intended, means at the end of their schedule is going to be a lot of uh, time it's away from the friendly yeah. confines. All right, they go to Atlanta. Then they get to go to Boston College on uh, the 5th, which I believe is a Friday. They yes. go to Durham, which is their last home game, and it's on the 13th. And then they close at Miami and then at Virginia. Seven wins for Justin Fuente's potentially final go around in uh, in the old uh, Chicago Maroon. How are we feeling, Damon, about seven wins for the Hokies? And we'll remind yeah. you, this is a podcast where we're talking trash about the Hokies or, <laughs> not, or whatever. We'll always, we'll always lend itself to, um, to attaboys from, from those who listen. How you fe- how you feel about seven wins for the Hokies? I'm going to take the under. I just, I don't, I don't know. I don't like that back. Uh, that last month and plus four or five on the road. Uh, the only home game is Duke. I don't know. Even, even that, uh, that homestand uh, there in September and October, Notre Dame, I think is tough. I, I already mentioned how I think Pitt's going to be pretty good this year. So I could see them definitely going into Blacksburg and winning Syracuse, maybe not as much. So I think a lot of it comes down to that Carolina game on opening night and, Obviously, we discussed Carolina a lot, but we all kind of said, too, that we could maybe see Tech pulling that one off on opening night. So I don't know. I just they're, they're, I, I'm going to take the under. I, I don't see I see too many toss ups on there that that could potentially go the other way uh, for, for, for seven to be an easy path. But again, like we said before, there's a reason why these guys are probably pretty good at setting these over under. So, yeah. But long story short, I just don't see it. I'm going the under. All right, Ferber, seven wins for Tech. How you feel? Um, I think that's really well set. I think they're about a seven win team. I think we you know we talked about North Carolina. They could get off to a great start with two ACC wins in their first three games, or they could you know not. Um, Virginia Tech is kind of similar in that it's like they play North Carolina. They're not favored, but if they pull that off, that kind of resets things for them. You know, and then they go to um, Morgantown, 
in the third game of the season. And I think that one could be sort of like the linchpin for them. If they win that one, even if they lose to Carolina, they're probably three and one heading into that Notre Dame game, assuming they don't lay an egg against Richmond or Middle Tennessee State. Um, and at that point, I would probably, if you asked me then, I'd probably take the over. Um, if you're two and two or worse, I think then it's it's a pretty clear choice that you would go under seven. Um, and I kind of think they're going to be two and two. Um, just I, I just have a bad feeling about that Tech game for them, or the West Virginia game, I should say. Um, that It's in Morgantown. That crowd's going to be crazy. Um, I think that'll be a real test for them. And then, you know, like Notre Dame pit back-to-back is not easy, both at home. But like you said, then the back half of that schedule, um, you know, in some of these years recently, like in two years ago, like they, they actually, you know, they got that weird start to the season and then they started rolling in the back half. And a lot of that was like on the strength of home wins. Um, this year, I don't, I don't see that. I mean, they're playing so many road games that it's going to, they're going to have to go earn it in the back half of their schedule, assuming that they do as expected in the first half. Um, but I have them like four and three ish coming, going into that stretch of road games where it's like at Georgia tech at Boston college and then Duke and then Miami UVA. And if they're like four and three, I, I see them winning like two or three of those games. Um, and so I'll, I'll go under, but I, I really don't feel good about it. I think they're like seven and five. I could see them going eight and four. Um, I don't think they, I don't think they will be much better than that. Um, but I wouldn't be like totally shocked if they're like, if they, especially if they win that first game against North Carolina, I wouldn't be totally shocked if they're like hanging around in the coastal race into the, into that long stretch of road games. Yeah. Um, one thing that's going to be interesting is, is because of, because of the way the sort of schedule works. So Miami is going to close the season, obviously with three of their last five on the road, right? Virginia is going to close the season with one. Well, I mean, of its, of its league games, Right. Um, because of the you know the BYU game being in October and the Notre Dame game being there in November, so you look at it. I mean, heck, their last five ACC games, one of them is is in mid October, right? Uh, Carolina, obviously, three of their last five, um, or, or excuse me, uh, yeah, three of their last five um, are on the road. I I feel like when I look at Virginia Tech. What I see is is a team that if they win that first game, I could absolutely see them rolling. If they lose that first game, I I because I do think they're going to get a game in in, in Morgantown. That's and when the guys, pressure would be on if they're if they're one and one going into right. that game. It's like all right, well we got to win this one now. Listen, I'm not saying that Richmond's going to beat them, but stranger things have happened. Okay, because think about it like this: if they lose to Carolina, they beat Middle Tennessee. They go to Morgantown and lose. They got an open week before they get to Notre Dame and 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 the and the and the row from that point forward, right? That is like Richmond season, right? Now again, I'm not saying the Spiders are gonna are gonna go into Lane Stadium and 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 whoop them or anything, but again, this is a Tech program that they has have been, a tendency to do this exactly, and they teeter, right? They just and they've been teetering. And the whole thing with Fuente and leaving and stuff, I, you can't tell me that this locker room is prepared to start the season one and two and then have to get up for Richmond before your open week, right? You can't tell me that they're going to be as focused as, I mean, I'm sorry, that's just not how humans work, especially considering everything. We, again, they could come out and beat Carolina and they could absolutely roll into um, that matchup with Notre Dame, which I think is going to, you know, is going to move, you know, it's going to be a thing that a lot of people want to watch and it's not going to be uh, on, on the platform, or at least as of now. Um, a lot of folks aren't going to be able to see it, at least as of now. Um, but anyway, beyond that, the, that piece of it, like, both of it's like Schrodinger's uh hokey season, right? Because like right now, both of these are are possible, right? It makes total sense to me that they beat Carolina and just roll, and it makes total sense to me they lose that game, they go to Morgantown to struggle, and then they got to figure out how to you know to beat Richmond. And I I listen, I watched a Richmond team uh beat the crap out of a ACC squad and just completely wreck the entire season right off the bat. Um. Not to say that, again, not to say that UR is going to go to, to Blacksburg and do that. I'm just saying that, like, that first start of the season is precarious. And that program has been teetering. 
So if you are a Virginia fan listening to the show and you are hoping for chaos in Blacksburg, uh, I'm telling you that Carolina game could could really kick it into gear. Um, I, I think Carolina, excuse me, I think Tech is talented in a variety of different ways. Um, I, I don't know, I don't know what to make of of sort of their their actual sort of healing of wounds, right? So they went through this phase where, you know, they had all these dudes transferring and there's all this stuff about Twente and the program. And then obviously, uh, you know, the whole thing that happened this summer and, and everything, you know, that, that, that piece of it. But beyond that, like, I don't know how, I don't know where they are. And it's hard from the outside to psychoanalyze a football team. I'm just looking at the track record. And I mean, will anybody really be shocked if they are one and two going into that Richmond game? Um, so I don't know. I, I'm going to take the under. I just, I, I, I'm going to, again, I'm kind of like the same way with Georgia tech. Maybe it's a tech thing. I just, I got to see it. Um, and maybe, you know, they'll come back from Durham and, you know, they'll have two losses and, you know, I'll feel like an idiot, but, um, still, I think it's going to be, a, uh, especially the end of that. I mean, the end of that schedule is rough. You know, you get, go to Georgia tech. You're going to go to Boston college. You're going to go to Miami. You're going to go to Charlottesville in four of your last five weeks. At least you get Duke in there, which should presumably be a, a easy win. But anyway, um, I think that's a good place to put a pin in it. And of course, we ran through all of the coastal. I mentioned that we would talk about Louisville and uh, and Wake. Let's do that real quickly before we put a pin in it. Uh, Louisville seven wins. The the Cardinals have Ole Miss, um, Eastern Kentucky, UCF. They go to Florida State and Wake, and they get Virginia at home before their open week. Then they come back with Boston College. They go to NC State. They get Clemson and Syracuse back to back. Talk about whiplash. And then they go to Durham. And then they get Kentucky to finish their schedule. Seven wins for Louisville seems a little high to me, but their non-conference schedule probably makes it possible. Um, real quick, Ferber, seven wins for Louisville, over, under, or push? Uh, under. Yeah. Damon, what about you? Yeah, I agree. I'm going under. I don't have a ton of confidence in them this year. It's fine. I also I, don't I, get good vibes from that yeah. like Satterfield situation. Yeah, I don't. I, it's a very Fuente-ish, right? All right, then Wake Forest is the other uh, team um, – um, not no, they're not. Um, yes, they are. Brad, what are yes, you? Yes, they at? are. How about Gosh, that? The Matrix is messing with me. Okay, six and a half wins for Dave Clawson's bunch. Um, they get ODU to start the Norfolk State. I mean, what are they just fighting with the state of Virginia? What the world? Um, oh, they don't play Tech this year. That would be hysterical. They go. They get Florida State at home before they come to Charlottesville. And then they get Louisville, and then on the road at Syracuse in the Carrier Dome before their open week. Then they get Army at Army. Uh, before they go, they get Duke at home, go to Chapel Hill, and they close with NC State's their final home game on the 13th. They close at Clemson at Boston College. Uh, six and a half wins. Um, I mean, you look at three, four, maybe five. So, I mean, you're, you know, you got to get two more wins. There's Louisville, there's Florida State. I think over makes sense to me. I think seven is probably the right number. What do you guys think? Uh, Dave, let's start with you. I agree. Right. I'm going. I I, I like Clawson as a coach. I uh, I'm going over on what was yeah. it six and a half? Yeah, I'm going six and over. A half, yeah. yeah, I think they could be like eight and four. I think they could be too. I um, mean, you look at their schedule. They they could easily be three and zero going into that UVA game. Absolutely. ODU, could, Norfolk hell, State, Florida State at home. Would it really surprise you if you if they beat UVA in Charlottesville and then they beat no. Florida? I mean, beat Louisville and Syracuse and go into their open week. What five six and zero? Like that wouldn't surprise me. I wouldn't going to Army and then going to Army, Duke. you know, and Duke. I mean, they could be eight zero going to Chapel Hill. That'd be they'd be like the game of the century in the state of North. And Carolina. then they get NC State at home, so it's mm-hmm. like you know, I, I really think I don't think they will be eight zero or whatever. No, I don't think so. They will be. I but think it I could mean, possibly they, happen. They could it makes easily, a lot of sense. They could easily go into their Carolina game with like six wins. Compared Absolutely. to where some of these other lines were over under lines were, that that seems pretty conservative. I mean, I, I don't know. Maybe but I think I that think probably has as much to do with it just being wake, honestly. Probably yeah. Yeah, and also I yeah, they're not like a team that people are gonna want to bet on. And then also I think they lost like a decent amount from they last did. year. They lost Boogie. Um and and their running back transferred to yeah. Michigan State. Yeah, he's um, pretty good. But also, like, I just look at it and I say, I, this is kind of how this is like the anti um, some of these other teams that we're talking about, like Georgia Tech, for example. I look at some of these games that for Wake and the ones that are like toss ups, I just yeah. give them the Wake. Yeah. Yeah. Because <laughs> I think they're they good have the at better. Coach. Yeah. No, they're good at that. And frankly, too, their offensive system 
is so like weird. It's almost like like trying to play the like pack line in a variety of ways because it's just it's so off the beaten path that it's it's not quite you know Paul Johnson, but man, it it has some it has some singularity in terms of what they do and the way they creep to the line and, and then like the way that they sort of all break. It's a it's an interesting scheme and it certainly seems to work. And I mean, you're right. They they definitely they they tend to get the benefit of the doubt and they I feel like they've earned it quietly at least. Um, so, all right. Now that is a good place to put a pen in it. Um, if you are somebody who found the podcast through the website, thank you very much for giving us a listen. If you don't mind, you can look us up on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, Overcast, wherever it is that you get your shows. Hopefully we're there, and if we're not, let me know. Um, if you're somebody who's found the pod, but you have not given us a look at the website yet, check us out, calvescorner.com. Dude, Damon been cranking content left and right, bro. Um, I mean, if you're listening to this in, in a podcast app, go to the show notes. I mean, there's like links galore. I mean, he's got stuff on... Uh, four-star offensive lineman commit um, um, Cody Meadows, um, Brody Meadows. Wow, I called him Cody. Um, he talks about, he's got a story on on Noah and Nick Jackson, um, talking about ways to to get creative in terms of beating uh, defenses. And a lot of that has to do with, you know, Keaton Thompson, who I think we're going to come back to next week uh, or at least soon. Um, but uh, Ferber had a film room on him. Um, stuff on the O-line, stuff about the 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 defense and that three three five that we talked about earlier, um, so there's a whole lot of stuff uh, that you can check out if you haven't already. You should probably do that. I want to thank um, uh, Andy Ludicky over at MyPerfectFranchise.net for his support of the show and of the podcast. Excuse me, on the website, uh, you can visit MyPerfectFranchise.net for more information on how you can find freedom in your next venture and discover the perfect franchise for you. And uh, I think that's a good place to leave it. So. I want to thank everybody out there for continued support of the show. I want to thank um, Ferber and Damon for giving graciously their time tonight, as uh, I very much appreciate it, and them hanging out with me for a little while. So for uh, Justin Ferber and Damon Dillman, I'm Brad Franklin, publisher of CavsCorner.com. Thanks for coming out. We'll see you soon. That's